Help keep KPFT vibrant with your financial contribution. Visit kpft.org to join securely online. This is commercial-free, listener-sponsored Pacifica Radio, KPFT Houston. This is Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having their say, on the air. Tuning you into the Latino literary renaissance in all its splendor. Interviews, teatro, rap, fiction, poetry, memorias, composer spotlights, and more. Always más. Thank you so much for tuning in to the latest installment of the Latino Literary Renaissance. Today on the program, we will speak with Amalia Letiza Ortiz, who will tell us about her book, The Canción, Cannibal Cabaret, and Other Songs. And then tonight, you get to hear her live as she performs with her Chicana Feminist Punk Rock Band. Yes, a little sneak preview to that, and that's going down at Notsuo. We'll tell you a lot more about that. That'll be followed by poet Patricia Coral, who'll be sharing some of her works and a little bit about her life. And we will close it out with Macondista Natalia Trevino, who'll talk about her book, Virgin X, but also fill us in on what transpired at the last Mocondo Writers Retreat. And at the top of the show, today's installment of Cultural Capital has to do with you demanding art for Hispanic Heritage Month, hashtag art for HHM, because you know you can't be a diverse city if tourists can find the Mexican food, but they can't find the Mexican-American art. So a small reminder, ladies and gentlemen, September 15th to October 15th is Hispanic Heritage Month. Most Hispanic Heritage Month observations are weak if they even 
exist. Yeah, I said it. You thought it. It's the case. When Hispanic Heritage Month observations are organized by non-Latinos, they border or fully cross into cliches or stereotypes. Insert here conversations about bad Cinco de Mayo observations times a hundred. That's why this year, starting this week, starting right now, you need to demand art for Hispanic Heritage Month. Hashtag art number four, HHM. Of course, it's also fun to argue about what to call ourselves, but let's put that to the side to unite for art and great observations of HHM. And then we can fight each other over what to call ourselves. One of the main problems is that we're not imagined as intellectuals. We're not thought of all year long, except for issues touching on immigration or stereotypes that help politicians fire up their base of support. Addressing that could take decades, so we can't fix that now. So in the meantime, demand art for Hispanic Heritage Month. Starting now, for reals. Now. So you can tweet or post hashtag art number four HHM. Call the first elected official you can think of and ask them what they're doing to support Latinx art in your community. When you're finished talking, the last thing you need to say to that person is, I demand art for Hispanic Heritage Month. Then call another elected official. Tweet them. Go to Facebook, LinkedIn. Contact one elected official every day this week. Contact one political candidate each day leading up to Hispanic Heritage Month. Call one elected official or candidate per day during every day of Hispanic Heritage Month. Do something. We have to. I tell this to our non-Latinx allies, and they're shocked sometimes. They ask for proof, a survey. It dawns on me that I've been telling them this for 21 years, ever since Nuestra Palabra began. And they either don't believe us, aren't listening, or they don't care. So here's a bunch of facts and information about this. Only 7% of arts funding in Houston goes to Latinx arts. I bet you it's the same in other cities, maybe even worse. If you're tuning into the radio show, I'm telling you this out loud. But if you are subscribed to our email blast, you got this at 2 p.m. today. Or if you go to TonyDiaz.net and click on the blog, Cultural Accelerator, Cultural Capital, you've been reading this since that time. And there's a link to the actual report there as well. Museums need to open the doors to our communities because they're shut off from us. That's another article from the New York Times. Here's another article. Activists protest the Whitney Museum of American Art because one of its trustees was an investor in tear gas used on civilians. Yeah, they were making blood money and using it to invest in art. They made that board of trustee person walk. Another protest took place in the Museo del Barrio. Because it's strayed from its mission and the staff does not reflect the community. People ain't taking it anymore. In the Cultural Capital Newsletter, I'll include more and more and more articles about this. We've been writing about it for a long time. There's been research. Our very existence has been an argument about this. You need to just take our word on this. Something needs to be done. Ever since Nuestra Palabra started in 1998, we are in argument about this. I'll be honest with you. I thought things would change. They've actually gotten worse. Don't get me wrong. Individual writers and artists thrive. But individually, we can't overcome the structural barriers that prevent more of our community members from thriving, from living the full life that art unleashes. Every city suffers by not creating state-of-the-art cultural centers for our communities not sustaining the Latinx legacy art groups that have struggled to pave the way for decades. And even when a city manages to provide a structure, they don't provide the operating funds to create careers in art. Fully supporting our community's art is good for not just our community, but leads to progress for anyone. You can't be a diverse city if tourists can find the Mexican food, but they can't find the Mex-American art. You can't be a diverse city if tourists can name only a Latinx baseball player from your city, but they can't name a Latinx artist. Tourists 
for the nation's leading diverse city will be able to also name the city's leading Afro-Latino artist. That beautiful city currently does not exist. And that's bad for everyone. Visitors will see through a mere slogan. They won't complain. They just won't come back. It's pretty straightforward. You are not truly a diverse city unless you cultivate community art. This Hispanic Heritage Month will be a huge party or a huge protest. We're good at both. Which does your city want? Find out. Demand art for Hispanic Heritage Month. Hashtag art for HHM. And tonight, we're going to have it rain poetry and prose. We are doing live on Facebook. Q, yo, you ran the show last week with Lupe Mendez. Congratulations. Appreciate it. Yeah, that was a great time. Me and Marlene and Lupe were holding it down. Ellipsis, huh? Yeah, it was a great time. Been hearing a lot fun. of great feedback from that, and that's excellent. That's what the show is about. Absolutely. And hey, Marlene, thank you again for holding down the fort last week, but also putting down another great lineup today. Yes, you're welcome. It was actually a really great experience. Glad to have Lupe back. I just wish it was both of you at the same time. <laughs> well, we can't be in the same time because Arizona might arrest us. So. See, I've always longed that <laughs> that you guys together could be a nice little salt and pepper duo. Uh <laughs> on the mic. I'm not joking. <laughs> this is not the first time I've said well, that. What do you think, Marlene? We'll, we'll I have, think you're right. We we'll, should have both of us. <laughs> what about all the, everybody listening? Call in and tell us what y'all think, huh? Ah, there you go. I bet. We have to succumb to what the people want, which is what this show is about. <laughs> what the people want, the people get. Shout out to Let- Letty as well. Yes, Letty. We her miss you. on every show. for you. And thank you so much for everyone who's tuning in, been faithful by tweeting us, posting us, talking to us in the streets, hanging out with us, and tuning in week in, week out. Today we got a great show for you. Amalia Leticia Ortiz at the top, Patricia Corral in the middle, and at the end, because we got a bonus guest for you, three guests for you today, Natalia Trevena, talk about Virgin X from Mocondo. So we're going to do a musical break. Yo, that music is, that music's dope. Yeah, it is, man. Good job. Chico Trujillo. I see. I see now. We'll bring that to you right now, and then we'll be back with some punk rock poetry. You're listening to Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having their say on the air. This is Tony Traficante. Stay tuned. Y que fue pa, fue pa, fue pa, fue querer. 
El party continues. I hope everyone está feeling good. Cute. Thanks for lighting up those airwaves. Hey, no you, problem. You got, a, you got a concert coming up. Yeah. And, uh, Bootleg Like Jazz is promoting some great shows. Let's hear what's Blaze up. Blaze in Black Day, August 3rd, 2019, this Saturday at House of Blues here in Houston, Texas. They're going to be in the Foundation Room slash Bronze Peacock Room. Tickets are available. Listen, Bootleg Like Jazz, that's me, Q. I have two tickets. You want these two tickets to go see these amazing guys at the House of Blues, then this is what you need to do. You need to go to Bootleg Like Jazz on Instagram and like a photo and say, I want those tickets. I thought, They're yours. I thought, well, hey, we appreciate you sharing the love and letting people know how to have a great weekend. And that sounds like cool. And people, folks have got to check out your check podcast. Check them out, yep. And, of course, we are all about music, art, literature, every art form, breaking so many barriers. So now we're going we're gonna to cross the state lines, but we have poached some talent from Puerto Rico. In the studio live is Patricia Corral. Hey, thanks for coming in. Yeah, thank you for having me. She was born in Puerto Rico, where she obtained a Master of Arts in Spanish Literature and Linguistics. In 2014, she moved to a city named Houston, Texas, where the adventure of writing in a borrowed language began. She thought she'd only stay here for a short amount of time, <laughs> but five years later, she's still here, which is great for us. She's a writer of creative nonfiction and poetry, but frequently her words find their home in between. In 2017, she co-founded Fuente Collective, an organization devoted to experimentation, collaboration, and hybridity in writing and other arts. Her English language work has been published in Yellow Chair Review and Crab Fat Magazine. Her most recent work is forthcoming in the bilingual anthologies Una Realidad Más Amplia, A Larger Reality, and Women Poets of the Americas. Congratulations for all your success. Thank you. Thank you. So what, what kept you here in Houston? I don't want to talk you out of leaving. But, uh, <laughs> what, what, do you, what do you love about Houston? Well, I think especially the art scene and also the writing community. Um, that's what made me stay. Yes. That's fantastic. <laughs> and of course, a little later, we do want you to share a poem because I think you are uh, an activist and that you've helped others share their voices. But I think sometimes what happens is that people forget that we're also writers and it really is important to, to help promote each other's work. So we definitely want to get to that. But tell us a little bit more, too, about the, the Fluent Collective. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, so Fuente Collective is... I'm sorry, Fuente Collective. Yes, sorry. it's an organization that is devoted to experimentation mostly. Um, there are a lot of great organizations in Houston that are dedicated to teach the how-to in terms of writing. So we always say that we are mostly the playground, like where people get to bend rules and experiment out of their comfort zone. And does that reflect your inclination to writing too? Is that what you like to do? I guess so. Um, especially I'm, I love creativity in general and in the broader sense. And, well, when I was studying on many things, I did a lot of research on creativity. And I like all the ways that we can experiment and everyone can be creative in a way. That's fantastic. Mm -hmm. And then for you, too. So when you came to Houston, you thought you'd stay for one year. You started getting involved. What what, what are some of your long-term plans? Or or is it more like a year by year you, <laughs> you, you assess us and decide yes. if you're going to hang so out with us? Usually, actually, it was a year by year. Um, I thought I would only stay a year and then go back and finish a doctoral degree that is still pending. <laughs> but I really liked Houston and because of many reasons, especially the arts community, I decided to renew my contract every year 
Um, then after Maria happened in Puerto Rico, I moved back to Puerto Rico last um, in 2018, January, um, for about six months. And I helped the island and I was there working. What, what was it like at that time? It was devastating wow. in the broader sense of the word. Um, going back um, to a country that was pretty much... I mean, it was so different from when I was there um, after the hurricane, and it was very recent also. Um, so especially I was working in the central part of the island with different recovery projects, mostly educational. Um, that area was really destroyed by the hurricane. Um, so it was really sad. And at the same time, I felt like it's great that I'm here with my family after such a catastrophe. And also that I was able to help schools recover from it in a way. Um, but then afterwards, I I was missing the art scene here way too much. <laughs> and we have a really good art scene over there as well. But it's it's very different in many senses. And I guess I just wanted to be back. I realized that maybe I fell in love with Houston after all. <laughs> That's fantastic. It happens to a lot of people. We we grow on folks. <laughs> well, how about this? Uh, so so you open to sharing your poem with us? Sure. Fantastic. This is a small piece I wrote. Um, I was here when the hurricane happened. I couldn't have. I couldn't communicate with my family or anyone. Um, maybe once a week, top. So I wrote this um, after a conversation with my grandmother. This is a translation um, from Julia Rios. I gather batteries for you in the same way that a farmer gathers his crops. I gather batteries for you like mommy gathered her orchids before the hurricane came. Or I gather batteries for you as fast as I can in the same way that a mother gathers her children to flee the war. I gather light for you. I gather the absence of darkness. I gather my pain. I gather myself in boxes for you. I And I cannot talk to you and I don't know what batteries you need. So I gather all the ones that I can find, double A, triple A, C, D, and I wonder which ones your flashlight uses and how many flashlights you have. I wonder if your radio works and if you can listen to the news and if you have music and if you have enough crosswords to replace your telenovelas. A grandmother should not be in the dark. And I wonder if you still have matches for your candles and if the sacred heart of Jesus will have a candle for you, you who has lit so many for him. Your darkness calls me, screams at me, and I cannot see you. How do I send you the sun in a parcel? How do I send you light in a USPS flat rate box? What size do you need? They ask me as the post office. The biggest one, I answer. I walk with the boxes to my car, which is full of, of batteries of all brands and sizes. I open the trunk, which also has cans of Spam, fruit, soup. I wanted to send you food, but you asked me for light. You, the one who never asks and always gives light. I put all the batteries I can fit in the box. I put in three flashlights, and I also put my faith to illuminate you. I prepare two boxes instead of one in case one of the two is lost so that one of the two will arrive first. And before closing them, I see that two cans of soup and two cans of fruit will fit. And I put them in in case you get hungry. Man, very touching. Also reflects on, I can just imagine then what it was like to go back. Tambien. Yes, definitely. Um, I mean, people were without electricity for a long time. Um civilians were the one leading the recovery effort because wow. the govern not the local government or our government here did enough to help people. Well then of course we we not even touching on the governor that just got ousted also. Yes. So that was the guy in charge of <laughs> Yes. He was the one in charge. He was the one in charge. But again <laughs> I know Wow. That's another That's a whole other <laughs> Yes. 
story. Tema. Well, and you wrote these first in Espanol, primeramente? Yes, sí, en Espanol. Y, y todo es principalmente Espanol. Sí, Espanol. Uh, y escribo en Español principalmente. Great. So who translated that? You, you, you cited a translator. Julia, Julia Rios. She's a friend of mine. Oh, fantastic. Yes, yes. This is about to be published in Fireside Fiction Magazine. Oh, fantastic. Mm -hmm. And of course, here at Nuestra Palabra, we try and do both languages. But of course, we, we also love Spanglish as well. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, continued success. Thank you. And thanks for all that you do. And let us know how we can support. And we hope to, to hear more of your poems in the near future. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you so, so much. much. Pleasure chatting with Patricia Coral. And she is in charge of Fuente Collective. Look them up. We're going to take a little musical break. And then we'll be back with Amalia Leticia Ortiz, who will be talking about her book, The Cancion, Cannibal Cabaret, and other songs. And you'll find out where her punk rock version is performing tonight. Happy to provide you with the soundtrack to a revolution. And next up on the air is a dear friend of Nuestra Palabra, Amalia Leticia Ortiz. ¿Cómo estás, hermana? I'm great. How are you? Good. <laughs> thank, thank you so much for calling in. We're celebrating your new book, The Canción Cannibal Cabaret and other songs, and we're also excited that you're here in Houston tonight. You'll be performing live at 8 p.m. at Notsuo, and yeah. that's so cool. Well, congratulations on the new book. Oh, thanks so much. We're actually like right here in front of Notsuo, hanging out. Uh, the show might go on a, a little later, like closer to 8:15. So yeah, you have time. I don't know where you are in Houston. You have time to get in your car and drive. That's too <laughs> cool. Well, and of course, I want to tell folks that we know Amalia, but we want to remind you she's an actor, writer, and activist who appeared on three seasons of Russell Simmons Presents Deaf Poetry on HBO. She's toured colleges and universities as a solo artist and with performance poetry troops, Diva Diction, the Chicano Messengers of Spoken Word, and Deaf poetry college tour her debut book of poetry rant chant chisme won the 2015 poetry discovery prize from the writers league of texas book awards and was selected by nbc latino as one of the 10 great latino books of 2015 i remember writing a great review for it in the texas book up uh, the texas observer because it was a really fantastic collection 
Akanto Mundo Fellow and Hedgebrook Writer in Residence alum. She received the 2002 Alfredo Cisneros del Moral Foundation Award, which was founded by La Mera Mera de las Mera Mera, Sandra Cisneros. And her poem, These Hands Which Have Never Picked Cotton, was nominated for the 2012 Pushkal Prize. Her MFA is in Creative Writing from the University of Texas, Rio Grande Valley. Welcome to the show again. Hey, thank you. So tell us about the band, and, and hopefully, you've got, are you open to sharing a couple poems on the air today? Yeah, yeah, I could do poems without the band, but yeah, I, I'm traveling with the band. Um, so yeah, the whole project was um, my MFA, and I started writing a collection of poems that were uh, loose translations or poems after using uh, punk standards or taking other songs that weren't <laughs> punk and making them punk, and then sewing them together and... I don't know, in my mind in those early days, I'm like, I'll get someone else to 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 perform them. And then it just, you know, I it, I ended up like with a band and I'm doing it until, <laughs> I don't know, someone else comes along and wants to do it. That's cool, too. <laughs> but, yeah, I have, uh, they are all... How uh, big is the band? Like, how many... Getting into costume tonight, the drummer, uh, guitarist, bassist, rhythm guitar... And then I have two other actors who help wow. with the recitation of the poetry, and there's choreography in there. Oh, yes, yeah, so show. This is like a big production, huh? Yeah, but it's also like it, it takes place in the space of a band, so we don't need really big spaces to produce it. Uh, and, yeah, it's a lot of fun. That is so cool. Well, I tell you what, I mean, we we know where you're from, what you're about, so we love that. But how about we throw some folks with some of your poetry, if you're down for that? All right, so I'm going to do uh, a, a poem from the show, and it is a song, and I, I perform it in the show with the band behind me. But it is um, La Frontera Te Llama, after London Calling by the Clash. And uh, was the first poem in the whole collection that kind of kicked off what I was doing, because I returned to the valley, uh, the lower Rio Grande Valley, uh, 20 years after I had grown up there. And something about, there's a line in the original Clash song, it's I live by the river that hit me in this other way mm. and uh, sent me in this direction to kind of translate and mess with uh, other songs. So La Frontera Te Llama, After London Calling by the Clash. La Frontera Te Llama, to the north and the south. Often flexi compras to those living hand to mouth. La Frontera Te Llama, through the bars and barbed wire. Now they're fracking South Texas and the water's caught fire. La Frontera Te Llama, through the internet buzz. Because they're still ignoring what is. Women dying just because La Frontera te llama. We had a black man in charge, but incarceration's imminent for black and brown at large. The ice caps are melting. The hurricanes are near. The mass shooting madmen. The terrorists live here. The children wear targets. The NRA supplies. Y la frontera se está quemando. And I, vivo cerca del río. La frontera te llama. The S A N D C. That kid shot dead in a hoodie. Well, he could have been me. La frontera te llama. Me oyen cartels. Take your eight-liner leeches and go straight to hell. La frontera te llama. Te late loco on ground zero. Because I'm stuck here in the middle and I'm searching for a hero. La frontera te llama. All you Wall Street occupiers. The government only bails out the grifters and liars. The ice caps are melting. The hurricanes are near. The mass shooting madmen. The terrorists live here. Los niños sell drogas, the gulf of supplies, y la frontera se está quemando, and I vivo cerca del rio, la frontera te llama. Yeah, I'm guilty too, because what they're teaching in the classrooms, well, some of it ain't true. La frontera te llama, all you locas and locos, all norteamericanos, before fresas y pochos, la frontera te llama, Arizona and beyond, because when you mess with my raza, we're sure to respond. The ice caps are melting. The hurricanes are near. The mass shooting madmen. The terrorists live here. The children carry weapons. The Zeta supply. Y la frontera se está quemando and I vivo cerca del rio. Man, oh, that is potent. Because you're right, we need punk rock now. And the updated lyrics are horrifying but also on point. That's intense. Well, I felt like the original, the spirit of the original was, you know, the Clash, a bunch of kids living it in the, you know, in the eighties and Thatcher era 
England and feeling really powerless to everything that was going on in their country. And I think you probably when I heard it when I was a teenager, I thought, oh, that's cool. And then, as I mentioned, I was living back in the border about, I don't know, maybe five miles from the, you know, the, the actual river. And hearing it again, you know, 25 years later, it hit me in this other way. Where it's like, I feel that same way, but even, even crazier and even more apocalyptic. And that's what set off this whole collection. Well, I also think what's really cool is I, I can't wait to hear it with, with the band, but it's also a poem that stands on its own, too. So I think it's cool that you're you're able to play with both uh, approaches as well. So is that hard to make it stand on the page on its own, but then also make it like a performance song? Because you still got to put on a show, right? Yeah, I went through like quite a, quite a few songs where I was like, what songs do I like? Uh... What songs can I adapt and not all of them, you know, I could find a song and think, oh, this is really cool. But if it couldn't go past the idea that I like the song, but if there wasn't something deeper that I, I could do with it to really play with the form. Um, yeah, there were a lot of rejects that didn't make it into, <laughs> into the book. <laughs> I love it. I love Tough criteria, but hey, it's got to it's gotta be like that to put on a great show. And you have another poem to share? Uh, sure. So this is... Uh, they, uh, there are a few original songs in the play, and then there are these prose poems in between each song that kind of tell this larger story of the post-apocalyptic revolution, and that's this whole other story that ties them together. But uh, one of the other songs that I uh, translated or rewrote, it's a poem after Strange, uh, Strange Fruit, originally by Abel Mirapol. And so this is a rememory of Strange Fruit. Strange Fruit, not hanging, but withering in crowded trucks. Loss is expected in the transport. Drivers still get paid big bucks. Brown bodies praying for the pardon of our southern breeze. The south still produces strange fruit, just not entwined in trees. If the fruit survives delivery, it can then be bought and sold. Market prices double if fruit is ripe and not too old. Dried and rotting in the desert. Trampled, falling off of trains. Bondage continues in this land, though not with chains. Growers and traffickers supply consumer-demanded yields. There's a fortune to be made from strange fruit, fertilizing fields. Rememory of blood on leaves. Rememory of blood at root. The profits from the bitter crop outweigh our losses of our strange, strange fruit. Mm. And that's after the, the song that Billie Holiday made famous. It could be sung. I actually recite that one more like a poem because I feel like, yeah, that requires a Billie Holiday type voice to really jazz that up. But it is, you know, it's similar in meaning. Unfortunately, the theme continues from the mm. time that Billie Holiday uh, uh, sang the song. Especially in this day and age. And I, I mm -hmm. think that makes the, the art even more potent. And you're touring, right? We, we included that in our email blast. So tell folks some of the cities you're hitting. We're so happy you're here in in uh, in Houston, Texas, I just missed your show. I was at Macondo, but I had to leave early. But you had yeah, the show I missed the Macondo. So there were a lot of great things going on this past Saturday in San Antonio. There was a Macondo. I had my official book launch at the Guadalupe Theater Saturday night, which we also live stream on HowlRound. And so this is the first uh, day of the tour. We're here at Not So Low in Houston. Tomorrow we're going to be at. It's a house party, but the house is called the House of the Big Windows at um, San Marcos. So uh, we're hoping that some Texas State students come out, some Texas State uh, professors come out. Uh, it's not that far of a drive from Austin. Uh, that's tomorrow night. Uh, then we're going to go to Dallas at uh, Wild Detectives, and that is Thursday night. And then Friday, we're, we're doing, it's another house party, but this one is for uh, with Poets Against Walls in the Valley. So it's going to be in McAllen, Texas, um, it is actually at a professor from UTRGV at her home. <laughs> Very cool. And uh, so that one, if you are in the Valley, I would say send me a message either on Instagram or Facebook, and I can uh, uh, send you details about that one. We just want to make sure, because it's in a house, that we're kind of controlling how many people right. uh, can, <laughs> can get in there. We don't want to, I don't know. I, I would be fine with like a bunch of gutter punks rolling in, but it's a professor's house. And so <laughs> right. You kind of have to like, yeah. Right. Know, know somebody or know me. Just ask and we'll get, we'll get you into that. 
Hey, and, now we'll, we'll have some tamales, so hey, that'll be great. Oh, man, um, love it. That's in McAllen, and then the last night is Saturday at the Hop Shop in Harlingen, also in the Valley. Man. Uh, and it meant a lot to me to go back to the Valley that inspired this collection, where I wrote the whole thing, and uh, so yeah, you're taking it back home. You're covering some serious ground. Do us a favor. Give out the website and uh, the Facebook page that you want people to, to visit. To okay. So on Facebook, it is, I would check the Sancion Cannibal Cabaret. Um, you can also look up on Facebook my name under Amalia Leticia Ortiz. And um, also, let's see, AmaliaOrtiz.net. Uh, I think there's also more info- information at the publisher, Atslan Libre Books dot com or org com and i think that they also offline librepress.com you could also uh get the book there if you're not able to uh check out any of our tour dates uh we're going to be hopefully around texas uh for the fall also other places fantastic well we wish you continued success thanks for including houston on your tour and stay in touch Hey, nuestra palabra. Thank you so much. Un abrazo grande. That is our dear friend, Amalia Leticia Ortiz, who's throwing down downtown today. Go ahead and check out that party. Also, shout out on Twitter to Esteban, our dear friend Esteban Ortiz, who's giving us a shout out from the swamp, also known as D.C., we are going to be coming back and closing the show out with poet Natalia Trevino. Speaking of Mocondo, she'll give us an update and read some of her works. Stay tuned. Thanks for tuning in to Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having their say on the air. We'll- You are listening to Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having their say on the air. If you have enjoyed perhaps some literature, some information, or some music that you might not have been exposed to, except for our little old radio show, we hope that you will consider donating 
to our Pledge Drive. It starts next week and it runs for the whole station from August 1st to August 11th. And if it wasn't for that, we would either be inserting commercials here for all sorts of trinkets and wares and I guess insurance companies have all sorts of animal mascots now or we wouldn't even exist but for your support. So thank you for tuning in. Thank you for helping Nuestra Palabra these 21 years. And we hope you will go that little extra step next week or tell your neighbors or friends to support the show next week as we go on the pledge drive and ask folks to donate to keep the station going. And our last guest for today is our dear friend Natalia Trevino. Can you hear me? Nata? Hi. Yes, Tony. I can hear you just fine. Hey, muy Thank buenas you. noches. Un abrazo grande. Igualmente, un abrazo, abrazote. And Gracias. we appreciate you calling in to give us an update on Mocondo as well as uh, an excerpt from your book, Virgin X. But I do want to tell folks that you were born in Mexico. You're the author of Virgin X. You were a finalist for the Open Chapel Contest with Finishing Line Press. You're a professor of English yeah. in San Antonio. She right. learned English from Sesame Street's Burton Ernie. Her Adam. awards include your awards include the Alfredo Cisneros del Moro Award, created by La Mera Mera Sandra Cisneros, La. the uh -huh. San Antonio Arts Foundation Literary Award, the Menanda Literary Award, and the Detail E Namete Poetry Festival in Macedonia, and several several others. Her first book, which we loved hosting here in Houston, Texas, at Casa Ramirez, with Nuestra Palabra, was Lavando la Dirty Laundry, and I was happy to write about it in the, the Houston Chronicle. It was a national international awards finalist. Her poems appear in Border Senses, Borderlands, the Tao Journal of Poetry and Art, and any other journal that has smart editors and will jump on, <laughs> jump on publishing those brilliant uh, words. Yeah. And she's also <laughs> uh, part of the ad hoc committee for Macondo. So welcome to tu casita, Natalia. Uh, muchas gracias, Tony. That that was amazing. Muchas gracias. And I would I would love to talk about Macondo and share uh, stories about it or anything you think that you would like to discuss and. So, and muchas gracias for that wonderful intro. I mean, now my head is way too big for, <laughs> for my house. Well, I, I, I hope so, too, because we should, uh, I do want to edify your own spirit and, and your writing life, too, because you do give a lot of time and energy, as does the rest of the ad hoc committee, to mm -hmm. sustain Mocondo. A lot of people, I think, don't understand how much work is put into it. And I, I, I've been saying that, you know, the founder, Sandra Cisneros, I'm thinking there's two or three books that she did not write for all the love she gave back to the community through Mocondo itself. So maybe maybe tell folks a little bit about what, why you're involved with, with uh, the Mocondo Writers Retreat, which is this annual beautiful event for writers. Oh, it is. It is annual, and it is beautiful. And I, I couldn't agree with you more. Two, three, or maybe nine books uh, that Sandra could have written because the job is enormous. And for her to have taken it on her own as a in the in the incredible manner that she did, caring for so many little detallitos, and being a person who cares about detalle, who cares about detail, and making sure that every single member or, or participant or guest of Macondo felt cared for, back when she was uh, curating it and and pulling the writers together to be faculty and creating all of the spaces and the relationships with the universities that she worked with, all the diplomacy required for that, all of the relationship building required for that. It was an incredible undertaking. She once said, I can't, I can't keep doing this. It's like being the mother of the bride for five days in a row. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and all of the work that it takes to build a wedding, as, as, as many of your listeners probably know, or a quinceañera, so the the ad, ad hoc board and I, um, I believe we are seven at the moment, each have taken on what would be more than a part-time job in addition to our regular jobs and our regular work, as well as our, our writing, which a lot of it has been on hold for uh, the, the for the meetings and the gatherings and, and the relationship building that we've been doing across the city of San Antonio in order to carry it out. But why, you asked the great question, why would we do this work? Well, the first 
and most important reason is to give back. Macondo changes the lives of writers from all over the country. It is a sacred homeland for writers who have felt some kind of erasure, who come from working-class background, or some kind of a background where they might have not received the opportunities that a lot of other writers get to go through the, um, the, the great you know, MFA path or the, or the Iowa workshop as Sandra did. She said she had a terrible experience at Iowa and is not afraid to say that and wanted to create the opposite feeling of, of that program. So she created a space that, uh, that tends to the whole writer, the, whole, the spirit of the whole writer. And so, so many writers are transformed, even those now who we attract to come from these incredible backgrounds, these, these very pedigreed backgrounds from uh, fabulous universities that uh, have housed them and, and, and educated them. They come to Macondo and say, oh, my God, I learned more in a week here than I did in my home FA program. And um, so, so much transformation happens. So many books have happened since Macondo touches a writer. Um, and it's a way for the ad hoc committee to return that gift to new, to new writers, to, give, to keep that going. Um, it's a raíz. It's a deep, deep raíz in San Antonio. And Sandra has specifically asked us to try to keep it alive and to ask Macondistas themselves to keep nurturing that ground so that it can grow and become independent one day. And this was also another successful year at Texas A&M San Antonio. Mm -hmm. I I also think what's fantastic is that last year was the trial year. Uh, Nuestra Palada is happy to be fiduciary agent, and we we were able to represent Mocondo as we signed the contract for three years. So um, Mocondo has a home for the next three years. So so shout out also. Muchísimas gracias for doing that. Sure. No, no. Muchísimas gracias a Nuestra Palada for making that commitment and for believing in the in the process and the relationships that we are, are trying to build. We're so grateful. And, and I think I want to mention it too, because there's not one group that can, can pull this off because also it takes a Latina. There's a Latina president, Dr. Cynthia Tienet Matson, who's the president of Texas name San Antonio, who had the vision to say, we want this at our, at our college and, and to provide different resources for that as well. And, Yes. I guess one other thing to bring up would be like just that reading at the mm. just by the um, the professors who were giving classes that reading that night was just five amazing amazing writers. If that was just the whole Mokondo, that would have been enough, don't you think? You want to tell people <laughs> about, tell people a little bit about that reading. Well, that reading was astonishing. We had uh, the faculty, the the faculty of Mokondo, Ruth Behar. Uh, who co-taught a class with Sandra Cisneros, uh, first time Sandra has taught in years and years. But she was so inspired last year after our successful uh, trial year with uh, Texas A&M San Antonio that she was, wanted to teach. And so Ruth, but she co-taught with Ruth, the incredible writer Joy Castro, who who gave a um, short story um, in that took place in San Antonio and that was so raw and rugged and delicious that everybody was just floored by her reading. And then, of course, Elena, my incredible scholar at Cornell University, who um, delivered another uh, beautiful reading about from her book. Um, what is the name? I can't remember. But it's Cemetery Boys, an incredible title, incredible stories capturing decades and decades of these boys in L.A. And then, luckily, um, the board agreed to let two of us board members read as well because we had new books out. I had Virgin X, so I got to read, and Alex Espinosa got to read from his new book called Cruising. And we, so we had a glorious night at the Latino Collections and Resource Center here in San Antonio Public Library downtown. And there was packed house standing room only with refreshments and Viva and Vida and just beautiful people. Really, but you're right. Really great that show. It was massive. Priceless. It's like tens of thousands of donated cultural capital. Yeah. Likewise, the evening after, too, with Richard Blanco 
and yeah. Sandra's uh, adaptation of the play of uh, Have You Seen Marie? Again, beyond uh, priceless. I'm, I think both those evenings about thirty to fifty thousand dollars, which have donated cultural capital. I would uh, say so. <laughs> but but. We're running out of time. I do want to close with some of your poems because you did you did read that night from Virgin X, and this whole purpose, I believe, Aww. is to spread some more of our voices. So, would you kindly share share a, a poem from Virgin X with us, please? Although we, I would, we, I would love to. And there's this is a poem uh, it takes place here in Texas, and it's about an incident in 1970 that a lot of people don't know about. So, this is based on a true a true story associated with one of the miles de Miracles from La Virgen, um, La Virgen de San Juan de los del Valle, and I'll, I'll share. It's a short poem. I think it might be uh, just fine for the time that we have left. This is called Between Wings, and it is dedicated to La Virgen de San Juan del Valle. Your arms stretch under the blue garment, not feathered, not under Guadalupe's drapery of sky, nor below the hot blanket of holy breath. Your stiff garment forms a pair of wings, form at the apex of your neck. Only your clothing reveals it is you, thin, a spine, a column under that dress. The carver left your eyes open, floated earth's effigy inside your crown to remind us of this weight on your head. It was a retired school teacher who flew the body of an airplane into your shrine that morning, announced he wanted to kill Catholics, Methodists, and Mexicans, crashed between the shrine and the school, between church, between children having lunch and supplicants at prayer. The exploding fuselage lodged into the beam in the silent spine of your winged building did not kill a single person on the ground. So that was October 1970, Tony, in San Juan, Texas, when we made international headlines when a retired school teacher smashed his, his single-engine plane, rented into a schoolhouse and shrine there in San Juan. A lot of people don't know that. And not one person was killed on the ground. So, of course, this gave way to millions and hundreds of thousands of stories about the protection of La Virgen over the people and those who, those who she was caring for that day. Um, well, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you for all that you do. And congratulations on your book, Virgin X. It's been Natalia Trevino giving us an update on Mocondo, as well as sharing one of the pieces from her collection. Un abrazo grande. Muchas gracias. Muchas gracias, Tony. Take care. Y cuídate mucho. Igualmente. Thank <laughs> okay. you so much. Bye. I want to thank everyone for tuning in tonight. We'll be putting up some of these episodes at the SoundCloud for Nuestra Palabra. You can go to Nuestra Palabra On Demand by visiting nuestrapalabra.org. I want to thank you for running the boards. No problem, man. Marlin for holding down the phone with the phones. No problem. Let the other helping Lupe Mendez as well. This is Tony Azaliba Traficante. Stay tuned for coming to America and keep supporting KPFT. Keep us in mind for the pledge drive next week. Good night. No matter where you are on the political spectrum, KPFT is a daily check-in on the workings of democracy. Part of a democracy is an independent press and media. Media like this is supposed to be the check and balance on government. And community radio is one of the few media outlets left that is completely independent. That's why in this age of the greatest media consolidation America has ever seen, having different voices out there is essential. KPFT has been around since 1970, and we have survived through the contributions of people like you. Listeners who donate to KPFT support us because they know that's what keeps KPFT independent. Why wait for a pledge drive? You can join KPFT online at kpft.org. Thomas Jefferson said, People cannot be both ignorant and free. Help keep KPFT vibrant with your financial contribution. Visit kpft.org to join securely online. This is commercial-free, listener-sponsored Pacifica Radio, KPFT Houston. Thank you.
Many of us know someone looking to sell or just get rid of an old car, truck, RV, or motorcycle. It may be just taking up room in the garage or driveway. Sometimes the cost of the repair just doesn't make a sale even worth it. And as we all look for tax deductions at the end of the year, you may want to consider donating that unwanted vehicle, running or not. KPFT can have the vehicle towed away at no charge to you. The owner, you, get a tax receipt for deductions at the end of the year. A KPFT 